Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Hi, Jenny. How are you this morning? I am amazing. I am starting week three of unemployment, and it is so, so delightful. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds really great. Um, But it sounds like you might have some interviews coming up. (sighs) Yes, I do. And they're for interesting opportunities that I would most likely be excited to have the chance to take on, even though I would like to only take things on that starts say three months from now, because, because I'm enjoying having my days sort of to myself, sewing punctuated by napping in front of the television, punctuated by petting the cats. So (laughs) that sounds absolutely lovely. We have a very special guest with us today. And Sheila, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, thank you so much for having me. I was thrilled to be invited. Uh, and my name is uh, Sheila O'Kelly. I live in uh, rural Ireland. I'm originally from Dublin and um, I started sewing about five years ago. And during the pandemic gave me an opportunity to, <laughs> to learn a lot from trying out lots of different things. And I have a dedicated sewing room, which is a huge luxury. And uh, I converted an attic room a few years ago. So that is just wonderful. And uh, I really enjoy that. I sew a lot. And even when I'm working, I work four days a week, but I would sew at lunchtime or I regard them as water cooler moments when people might go and chat to their colleagues. If I need a break, a brain break, I'll go for 15 minutes and sew and then go back to work again. Oh, that's fantastic. Where can folks can I find s- you on, on social media or on the internet? Uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, Sheila.O'Kelly. And I have a, a a blog, which is Sheila O'Kelly with no dot in the middle. So that's S-H-E-I-L-A-O-K-E-L-L-Y. And then I'm on Facebook, it's mainly the Kirby Sewing Collective is where I'm active on Facebook. Okay. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Sheila, so where, so you're in rural Ireland. I'm in Wexford. Good- County Wexford. I'm in the north of County Wexford and we're about an hour's drive uh, from Dublin. So oh, it's, fantastic. Yeah. So it's kind of, we still have, we can still drive up and go to the theatre and come back in the same day, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> having lived in the city all my life, uh, so we moved here five or six years ago, but it's worked out really well. So it means a lot, lot more space and all that kind of thing. That's can I wonderful. say that I am shocked like literally shocked to learn that you started sewing five years ago. <laughs> me too. Me too. Well, I have to say my mom sewed all her own clothes. So I, I did uh, absorb some of that by osmosis, if you know what I mean. In those days, you'd have carpet that was laid in long strips. And I remember being down on the floor with her fabric to match the grain with the line in the carpet. And... <laughs> She used to take me fabric shopping and things like that. But I think because she was so expert, I just kind of thought, that's her thing, not mine. Right. And um, I made a few little kids things when my kids were small. But my mom uh, passed on in 2014 and it was 2016 that I started getting into it. It's absolutely weird. It's kind of like I felt I didn't have permission to do it while she was doing it or something. I don't know. And, uh, well, I'm glad you awesome. have permission now. 
Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something. I mean, if there's a genetic component to skill in this, you definitely got that from your mom. Yeah, well, she was a perfectionist and she was very much into fabric. So I was always going into fabric shops even before I sewed. Um, oh, that'll help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, she made curtains and she made everything. So you do kind of absorb that, you know. Yeah, you sure do. Yeah. So what are you selling right now? Well, I, I, this is, this is a hack of the LB pullover. So I made that recently. I've, I'm during the pandemic, I made about five really nice dresses that I've never worn because they're really for kind of going out. And so Mm -hmm. I've recently bought a whole load of cotton jersey fabric because I want to make uh, more casual things that I can going to get a bit more wear out of. So I think Muna and Broad are coming up with the boxy tea soon. So I'm, I'm looking forward to selling that. <laughs> and I just bought the uh, Chili and the Buttons new wrap cardigan. They've, they've expanded their sizes uh, hugely, which yes. is great. Not all of their patterns, but a lot of them. So I'm planning to make the wrap cardigan. Um, my, I mind you, I'm not great about wrap things. I always sometimes feel I feel like kind of bandages on me, a wrap garment I feel like I'm wearing a big bandage but that it looks so cute in the pictures I thought I'd try one anyway you know what I like about that one is that um is that uh in most wrap things you know you worry about the gape or whatever but since it's a cardigan you'd have something under anyways exactly yes I think that might work for me what were you going to say Jenny I'm sorry I was going to say it reminds me of those ballet wrap sweaters that were really popular I'm going to say in the early 80s (laughs) I may I may have my dates off for when they were when they were hot in my my area and I I love it I'm I'm that's another one I'm going to make as well my big challenge is what fabric to do it out of I feel like I want something a little fancier than just a cotton knit, but not, you know, I, I'm not really interested in a sweater knit for it. So I'm, I'm a little bit um, confused Might on what I I'm going to use for that. French terry. That is a good point. And I have a ton of it. Sheila, yeah. you are one of the, the few sewists that I have found who seems to be prolific in the same way that I am. Yes. And likewise with you. Uh, it's great to see you. I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> it's really exciting because yeah. because that's not normally my experience in the world. <laughs> well, I, um, it sounds I, like you do it like I do. You just you find those moments in the day because there's not much you'd rather be doing unless it's somehow family oriented or something else. Like I love spending time with my husband, but but when I've got those free moments, I'm going to be back at my machine or my cutting table. Yeah, I mean, and it is it is a little bit like an addiction because when I can't do it, you know, I just get a bit cross. <laughs> I want if it, I'm, I'm, things come up to do, I sometimes like, oh, but then I won't be able to sew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely understand that. It's it's wonderful. I won't ask you any of the traditional questions like how big is your closet or. Um, oh. And I, people do constantly ask that, and um, yeah, it's a bit annoying. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> I I have my answer down pat because I happen to have a very tiny closet space, so I just say normal closet, seven foot wide, and yes. I move on. <laughs> and, yeah, and typically they don't ask that follow up question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> my husband does complain that. Um, he has very little closet space left. <laughs> My husband has none. I bought him 
a rolling cart that had a, a bar across the top <laughs> and some shelves. And I said, this is yours. That's what you get. <laughs> every, every single other inch of it is mine. <laughs> and so um, I literally, but I took that page from my mother. My mother had now I do not have closets like this, but my mother had a walk-in closet that was 12 foot by seven foot. And she had three 12 foot by 12 foot bedrooms that she converted into closets. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I will let that sink in. Um, my father had, and I am not making this up, a three foot wide linen closet that they hung a bar in. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm taking oh a sewation for the next week um, so that I have time to sew. But I have promised my <clears throat> Excuse me, I've promised my husband that in that time, I'm going to clear out a bit more space for him. <laughs> now, do you take your sewing machine with you when you have a not staycation? Well, we are lucky enough that a long time ago, we bought a, an apartment in Portugal and I, have a, I bought a secondhand machine over there. So I have a sewing machine there too. <laughs> okay, I, so... Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> the apartment in Portugal. What? The apartment in Portugal sounds fantastic. <laughs> it is. It, it's we have got so much. I'm self-employed, so I I would have no pension or anything like that going from my employment. So nearly 20 years ago now we bought this as kind of a pension investment. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um we go there a lot and we love it and you know, it's worked out well because I was afraid we'd get sick of it or we wouldn't like it. But no, we still love going there. So Sheila, the reason we wanted you here and we actually talked about this, I believe, in March when we first started this podcast, we talked about seeing your mix and your lovely bound seams and how are we going to get her on this podcast? And we've been planning ever since then. Um, for you to be on here. So we're so excited. Do you remember like the first garment where you did any fancy seam binding, like maybe even French seams or bias bound seams? I do remember because I was looking at this up and the first one I did was the Montrose top from Cashmerette. And it, it has kind of a, a bias facing. And um, I, I, I've learned something from several different people and I've combined them in it together. So in the Mondros, what was a revelation to me is that you didn't have to cut the bias binding to the right size of the neck to start off with and sew it. So they had to do it with the tail either end. Yeah. So you start off and you leave a tail, you sew around until you're the, nearly the whole way around, then you stop. And at that stage, you measure them up and you, you sew the little short seam and then you put it back and it, it makes it uh, much easier because I don't use pins with bias binding because okay. you're constantly, generally you're constantly turning if you're doing okay. a curve. So the pins just get in your way. Okay. And also bias binding isn't very wide, so it's easy to line it up with the edge of your fabric. So, um, so that's a good point too, because I don't like when they tell you a specific length of bias binding because it really changes depending on what kind of fabric you have. If you have a rayon chalet, you're going to need so much less because it's going to grow. There's no way you can make it not grow when you yeah. are putting that on. So it, it really makes more sense to do that, that method, yes. like you said. You have no bumps or anything like that. And also most of the time, except for very fine fabric, for the first pass, I put it on with my serger. 
Ah, <laughs> yes. Because then oh, you don't I have, have to, never oh. put bias binding on my serger. You don't have to snip or cut any. You don't have to take any snips yep. out of it. It's, it's a circle. Wow, but. that's so. Now, okay, I want to ask about this. So, <laughs> mm. when because I'm much more new to these things, mm. um, when you do this, how mm. much do you like pull the by? Like, how much do you try to keep it? Do you use as much of the fabric as possible, or do you try to use as little of the? Fab, you know, because like if you pull your bias, you would be able to use less less of that fabric, right? But if I, you yeah. were to put it just flat and just not move it at all, which which way results so that you don't have a stand up? Uh, if you're if it's woven fabric, and um, yes. I don't pull it at all, I, okay. I let the machine do the work, and just I line up at the edge, and I'm I'm with the with the cutter on the the serger, I'm only taking off threads not any fabric. Okay. You know, just, you know, practically nothing. So I just line them up side by side. And if you're, if you're doing it for the first time, if you just go very slowly mm -hmm. and do it bit by bit, because you're constantly adjusting. So, okay. Mm. And it also means I don't iron the bias binding before ever. Oh, oh so you don't. I, okay. No, never. So, um, I, so I started it on the first time and another advantage of serging it on is that you now have the serger bit as a guide to iron it over. Oh, okay. So, so I iron when I iron it over the serging tape, I always do understitch. Okay, so you understitch. So you okay. So you <laughs> under so you do this on the wrong side then. It depends on on what you what you want. If I'm doing it on, if you want it visible on the outside. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So if you, you don't want it visible, inside. then you, yeah, then you would yeah. do it on the on the outside, on the right right side. You would do yes. the if you're not going to be make it visible. So then you you do the surging, you mm. iron that, and yeah. then you take then you stitch the the surge seam to the bias tape. That's right. right. Yes. And then yeah. you fold it over. Yes. And then see okay. you can do it. You can you can do it so you have it visible on the outside. Yeah. Uh, are not visible on the outside right. or depending on how you kind of fold it as you go along if, if you know what I mean. yeah so, so where then I learned, after you go ahead go ahead sorry I was just going to say the where I learned how to do bias binding without ironing was from sewing like mad she has a great uh, tutorial on how to do it so um, oh okay mm, that's where I started off but she doesn't serge it on I do <laughs> Okay. Okay. So then when you do, so you do the understitching and then mm. you, um, then do you have to iron the edge yes. of the, okay. Yes. Then you iron the edge so that you can turn it over. Yes. So then you iron it so that the edges are up together and then you have to fold it over again. I see. So you, so you iron over, um, so that the, the, the raw edge of the bias tape meets the surged edge. Yes, exactly. And then that just folds over. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's great. That's great. So um, it, it, it's great for thing. If you're doing a sleeveless garment, uh, um, it's great for doing the armholes because in, in, in that instance, I just use one big long strip and I sew, I add it to the armhole before doing the side seam. Before doing the side seam. Before oh. doing the side seam. So you just, so it's so easy. It's, yeah. um, and then, you sew up the side seam. Now you might get a slight irregularity at the top yeah. of the side seam, but nobody's ever going to see that. 
Yeah. And uh, what what I found what I found when I do stuff like that, where you have like a little kind of bump there where there's things put together. And I mostly notice this when I alter things, you know, and I go in and do that. I find that if I iron open that, that seam there and I put, um, and I stitch down the top of it and you never notice it again. Exactly. That's what I do too. Yeah. yeah. You can actually machine that, you know, if you want to, or you mm-hmm. can sew down by hand, just depending on what humor you're in. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's a great technique. So I've seen you do a lot of things with binding, like in coats, in a, a, a few moon and broad coats you've shown the pictures of. Yes. What what kind of garments? Is it mostly coats that you do that in? That's the Hong Kong binding. Yeah, it it um it, it's mostly I've done it on the Shoalhaven jacket, the Muna and Broad Shoalhaven jacket. And uh, Leela does uh, from Muna and Broad does absolutely wonderful videos to go along with every pattern. And okay. you can look at those those videos without buying the pattern. They're just there yes. free. So, for example, in the Shoalhaven jacket, there are several videos. And she, but the only difference, I do it exactly the way Leela said, except that I surge it on the first time. And I she, see. Uh, you know, I just find it easier to surge it on. It's quicker. It's faster. So you surge it on even when you are doing bias binding to, <laughs> can you describe the like, Hong yes, Kong okay. seaming? Yeah. So Hong Kong seaming, uh, you, you need to be making a garment that has a seam allowance of about five eighths of an inch. One okay. centimeter would be too tricky. Okay. Sorry for mixing imperial or whatever. But yeah. So you need one centimeter is three eighths inch and 1.5 is five eighths inch. Yeah. So, so if the pattern doesn't come with that, you'd need to alter it when you were cutting it out so that it did. So what, what you do is you sew the Hong Kong, you, you cut out your pattern pieces and let's say we're talking about the side seams. So you lay your, your bias binding right side to right side, right along the the side seam. I surge it on. Okay. you fold it over to the wrong side. Okay. So it's, so it's wrapping around the, the fabric and you sew it down again. I stitch in the ditch. That means you just stitch uh, right in the seam that's been left from when you sewed on the first time. Right. And I use a little foot, especially a little foot, uh, which has a guide in the center, like a, a blade. Yes. And you position that into the seam and use matching thread and it makes it easy to stitch in, stitch in the ditch. So that the, the Hong Kong binding is different from uh, the other bindings because the, the fabric underneath, it, the edge is actually raw. Do you know what I mean? Because so you don't fold it over again, Hong Kong binding, because it would be too bulky. So you sew the right side to right side, you, you iron it over the top and then you sew it down again, but you don't fold it again. But you never oh. see that. Yeah, because when you sew your, your seam together, your two side seams together, then iron them flat. That raw bit is underneath. So you don't oh, see it. Okay. But and, the raw bit is actually, like, if you put it in the wash, it is still mm. raw. Like, it's still encountering. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But there's no but, problem with that, I guess. No, and I suppose, <laughs> actually, I haven't washed my Shoalhaven jacket yet. I, I haven't worn it that much so far. So, um, I... If it was going, to, yeah, that's an interesting point about something if you were washing it a lot. But you tend to do Hong Kong binding, I think, on heavier fabrics. I see. Because oh, yeah. You, okay. You know, if, if if you were doing cotton lawn, I wouldn't do Hong Kong binding. That. I might do French seam on that. Yeah. And if I'm doing a French seam on a lightweight fabric, 
um, for, you know, the way the French theme involves two themes. Right. First, uh, wrong sides together and then right sides together. With, with the French theme, I would do the first pass using a, a three thread narrow overlock. So I do see surge the first pass on French. You theme surge too. in the first pass with the French theme too. Yeah. But I use three threads because four thread would be too bulky. Okay. Because you know? you're, you're probably working with fine fabrics. So and the what three I love thread about that, that is one one seam, one one straight stitch, and two oh, two loopers, right? That's what the that's right. Seams. One needle, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. what I love about that in French seams is that again, you can use the ridge that you've surged as a guide when you fold it over, so it makes yeah. it easier to be accurate. Well, you know what I like about that too is that when I do French seams, I always end up with. So, just real quick for for our listeners, I'm sure most of them know this, but with a French seam, you put wrong sides together, you stitch down, you kind of trim. This is the traditional way: you'd stitch a straight stitch, you'd um, trim down, then you'd fold it over to right sides together and enclose that by stitching again. Well, what happens to me is I stitch it, and then I have these little bits coming out from the seam because I didn't cut it short enough. But the way you're talking about Mm. where you do a surge edge first Mm. eliminates that because there's no threads coming off the fabric and you can feel that better than you can the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's really good. Out of curiosity, what type of machines do you have? What do you use for your serger and for your regular sewing? Okay. Uh, For my regular sewing, I have a, a faff uh, seven one ten or whatever, which I love. I got I got that a few years ago for my birthday. For my surgeon's baby lock, and my cover stitch is baby lock. Now, I, which I, uh, which baby lock? <laughs> the the baby lock victory is my serger. That's mine. Uh, <laughs> She's sitting right over here. <laughs> That's a wonderful machine. I have to say, with we, uh, you probably saw as well that I do a lot of binding using a binder attachment on my cover stitch. Yes. Um, but I have to say, I used to have a different brand cover stitch with binding attachment, which was very similar, and it was hit or miss whether it worked. And that's no good because your garment's ruined if it doesn't work halfway around. So with the baby lock, I don't have no affiliation with baby lock, with the baby lock cover stitch and binder, uh, you need, do need to tre- test to get your, your position of the binder uh, correct for each thing. It's just so consistent. And reliable. So now when you use that, do you not? Ha- okay. Explain what the binding thing okay. is on the, the attachment, okay. what that does. Yeah. Well, I have, I looked it up. It's, it, it's uh, the one I have is the baby lock double fold bias binder with guide and it's 36 millimeter. Okay. And, uh, it is uh, easiest with knits. It's child's play to do it with knits with wovens each time because wovens vary in thickness and all of that I have to play around maybe for 15 minutes to get the settings right but for Mm -hmm. let's talk about just knits so I always cut them one and a half inches wide because I have found the sweet spot with the binder for one and a half inches if you know what I mean so what it does is um you feed you 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 feed uh, the strip in through the binder and you run on about six inches before you introduce your, your main fabric at all. So the binder, you, you put the binder fabric in wrong side facing you. You put the garment side in uh, right side up because okay. you're going to get. Yeah. So what it does is it, it um, wraps the binding 
around the front of the garment, the right side of the garment and around the back. This is a double fold bias binder. You can get a, you can get ones out of a single fold at the back as well. Okay. And on the front, what appears is because it's a cover stitch machine, two rows of straight stitches. And then on the back, uh, it lo- it's, you know, that cover stitch look, it's, yeah. it looks like a surging kind of thing. Yes. So you feed the... Uh, the fabric, uh, you feed your main thing in through the thing and you push them both along together. The thing is, it, it does matter what type of fabric you use. If you use a viscose knit, I just wouldn't be bothered doing it because viscose is too floppy and it twists and, you know, a lightweight viscose just drives you mad. Um, but if you use a good quality cotton, like it'll work. But what I have found, which I use a lot as a contrast, is baby scuba is a dream to use in the binder. Ah. And I just cut strips of that. I see. So, so then that saves you from, so normally when I would buy, when I would bind like the edge of something in um, with mine, I would surge on the binding and then flip it over and then cover stitch around. Yes. And so that saves you that, that, and it actually, that would say one layer of bulk too. Because well, I have a surge and then I, and then I have the cover stitch backing. Yeah. Well, it's quite, it is, it's, it's folded over on the front and folded over on the back. So in a way, ah, five layers. You five wow. Layers. Yeah. I sometimes do the neck on that. So what you, you, you sew your garment in a slightly different order. So if you're doing the neck, you're going to do the whole thing, let's say, hem, sleeves, everything on the binder. So first of all, you sew one shoulder of your garment and then you bind that and you have tails at either end. Okay. So then you sew the next shoulder. And what I find that I can, uh, I sew down the join then. It, it, it looks a bit awkward at first, but I usually sew that down by hand with a matching thread and you can make any irregularity kind of disappear. Yeah, yeah. So then you would sew, then you do the armholes, both armholes. And uh, then you would do one side seam. If you're going to do it on the hem as well, you do one side seam and uh, then you do one long length for the, for, the, for the hem seam and sew that up. The only thing, I often don't do that on the hem because it, it does gather, the, it doesn't gather the fabric uh, slightly, but it's like if you're doing a, ba- a band on a neck, it does pull it in a bit. Yeah. I don't always want the arms pulled in or the, the waist pulled in. Right. Right. You know, so um, that's what you want on the neck, obviously. I see. But uh, yeah. So but you do have to kind of set it up. So if I'm only going to be thinking of one edge, I mightn't bother setting it up, if you know what I mean. Right. And, so, yeah. so. So what you've done is to convince me that I need to buy this binder attachment <laughs> for the surgery that I've had in a box for two years that I have, I have literally never unpacked it from when it arrived via shipping. Oh, your wow. Your cover stitch, your cover stitch, your cover, right? Like cover stitch, yeah. And what so, is, it, is it a baby duck? Of course it is. Of course oh, it well, is. Oh, then it'll work. <laughs> I, I bought it at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm, and oh, you love they, it. They canceled the classes. And so I just have never opened it. Oh, now I have I put marks on my cover lock. I I the first few times I, I said I have I have this binder. It's, I know this is in exactly the right position for one and a half a knit. So I'll make this little mark here. Now unfortunately that does not work. Every fabric <laughs> is slightly different. 
So what I do right. now is you have quite long strips because you obviously you don't have to cut them on the bias because they're knit. Yes. So right. I put the strip in. I do maybe six inches. I look at the strip and you can tell by looking at the strip before you feed any, any of every fabric, whether the stitching is in the right place because you need it near the edge, but not too near the edge. So it's not falling mm -hmm. off, et cetera, et cetera. So then I feed it in. And sometimes it might take me four goes to position the binder in exactly the right position. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. often then I would make multiples of that particular type of garment because I know I have it set up right now. You know. <laughs> That sounds like Jenny's thinking, actually. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mm. sew my clothing. Um, like, I don't like to change out thread a lot on my serger or my sewing machine. So I, I tend to run in colors. So I'll make a whole bunch of things that need white thread and then pink thread and then black thread and then blue thread and like that. So that I, I don't have to do as much switching about. <laughs> All my yeah. stuff uses pretty much the same color thread anyway. So <laughs> I wish that is the habit I had gotten into. Now on my serger, I don't I don't do a lot of changing. I usually just change the needle threads. That's I, I don't care what the other other one is, with rare exception, things that are very lightweight or you know, whatever. But for the most part, just the needle threads. That's all I'm worried about. But on my sewing machine, for whatever reason, I got into the habit of trying to match colors and I regret that so much, but I can't seem to mentally break away from it. <laughs> uh, I just yeah. wear the same colors all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. But my favorite color is rainbow, which is where the problem comes in. <laughs> I do actually like a matching serger thread and I have quite a number of colors, but I sound like an advertisement for baby lock, but it's so easy to rethread the baby lock serger. Oh, yes, but mine, my, my upper my upper looper tube is blocked. It's oh, not dear. puffing through. I am so sad right now. I'm going to take it in because it's been three years since it had a servicing. Did you so get the it deserves... wire with it? I did get the piece of wire, but I'm afraid of it. Can I oh, yeah. break the machine by feeding it through? I don't know, actually. I, yeah, I've never done it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's my fear is I've got yeah. it. And that's what they told me when I called. They're like, it'll take three weeks to fix your machine because oh, there's no. a waiting list. There's so many people took up sewing, darn it. Um, yeah. but, but they said, well, you just, you can feed the wires through and you can, it'll be fine. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. It's an expensive piece of equipment for me to be, yeah, know. you know, trying to fix. <laughs> Are you talking so, about local businesses, Jenny, just while I'm talking to you, because it's fantastic. You know, I live in yeah. the middle of the countryside, the middle of nowhere. There's, there's, there's a, a, in, in Waterford, which is the next county along, there's a wonderful sewingmachines.ie there. They collect my machines and uh, bring them back and they don't even charge very much for the courier. And they <laughs> get them back to you in three or four days. So my guess wow. is they charge me a lot for picking them up. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no, I've got um, to actually haul mine in and then it has to sit there and wait in a line and they can't tell me exactly when it'll happen. So it has to be there the whole time. Oh, so no. it's perfect timing because this month we're doing fancy ways of finishing seams. So it sort of gives me incentive to try different seam finishes that maybe don't rely as much on my serger. Yes. <laughs> anyway, super sad about that. But three years feels reasonable for taking it in anyway. I mean, like, yes, it feels, yeah. I mean, I've done the cleaning. I un unscrew all the stuff and take out and, you know, use my brushes and whatever. But I have a feeling that 
that someone whose profession is doing this will do a far better job than someone who's just trying to get back to sewing. <laughs> when I got mine back the last time, and um, there was a bag of lint, and I kind of felt they were saying, look at what you did to your machine <laughs> in a plastic bag. They sent it back to me in a plastic bag. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I do believe you are right. You were being definitely shamed. Um, or possibly they were proud. They were like, I have never seen it like this. That's amazing. How productive. That's how I would take it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just out of curiosity, in Ireland, do the do the places that sell sewing machines often also sell vacuums? I don't know. Because, yeah, I, I always It's weird. In the United mind. States, there's all these places called sew and vac. Right. Oh, yeah. And and so they have sewing machines and vacuum cleaners. And it's like it's like it feels almost like this kind of cliche of domesticity. Right. The, oh, this yeah. is for where the yeah. women go for their tools. Oh, my is the, I'm pretty sure that's how it started. I yeah. Mean, you know, but anyway, yeah, that's a silly thing. Okay. So I want to get back to these Hong Kong seams because, okay. um, because you've surprised me on some things. Now, first of all, mm. I thought they were done after you sewed the side seam together, but what you're telling me is you do this before you sew the side seam together. Yes. Is that correct? I, oh. yeah, the very first time I did this, what you've just reminded me was, um, a silk jacket, a light silk jacket. And, um, the instructions had you do it after that's a nightmare. It's everything's I in see. your way. Whereas when I was doing it with the Shoalhaven jacket, with, uh, when Leela's doing it, you do it before. Okay, that's so really smart fun. because I wondered about this because there's also patterns that tell you to do your surging for open seams after you've sewn that's them. And I think that's lunacy. so ridiculous, right? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's I got to do recipe. that beforehand because... Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. You're going to cut a hole in some your garment probably doing that, I would think. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so you do, when you do, that makes that makes this so much more approachable to me that you would do the side seams, you would do this the 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 binding of the seam before you put it together. That seems yes. like way more doable. So then yeah. a Hong Kong seam, you're folding it over and you do not do an extra fold, which sounds no. even easier. And then, but so what would... So the other one would be called what bias bound seams when you do, what do you call it when you actually do fold it over? I think, I think you're right. I think that's bias bound seams. I'm not sure. The other thing I forgot to mention on the Hong Kong seams, um, because I, I cut bias binding as I go along when I have appropriate fabric and I cut them all one and a half inches. So you'll find underneath that you, you have a little bit of surplus, so you can cut that off. But if I'm using, um, I love tan along. Uh, Liberty Tan Alone for binding is wonderful. Um, and that's so lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> that's so lightweight, you don't really have to cut it off, but it was anything ever. But actually, you can I I keep my eye out for bargains and I have got it for as little as uh, five or six pounds a meter. But anyway, <laughs> not for a long time. Well, I um, actually I just bought recently some of these. Um, so this is one of the examples, a roll of bias tape. Oh, wow. I got this from, you know, Sarami from So So Live. Yes. She I don't know if she had it done or if she has the machine for it, but they do. It's machine cut. So it's perfect wow. cut. And um, I thought this would be lovely to use on all sorts of things, especially when you're not showing the bias yes, binding or whatever. It's cut on the bias, yes. Yes, it's cut on the mm -hmm. bias. I started watching Sarah and me after you were talking about her on one of your recent episodes, and they're wonderful. 
Yeah, oh, she's, she's really so wonderful. <laughs> and actually, she just started up this thing through Mighty Networks, um, a new a sewing guild that um, I just signed up for. I'm kind of excited about. But you get all her like sewing, like her her lessons for free with it. So it's mm-hmm. it's really cool. But I think that's a good idea too. Is and I also have a drawer full. When I have a small piece left, I try to of, of fabric that would make nice binding. I just go ahead and cut it up right then. I don't sew it all together. Because I don't know what, what, what lengths I'll need, but to have that ready, it seems like much more likely that I would take on a project where I had bound seams. I can't quite recall. Do either of you have the little singer iron, uh, bias tape I do. maker that I don't irons? even like it. Anybody wants it. They want to buy it from me. They can buy it from me because you can only do one size, right? Oh no, no. They sell other tips. Oh, okay. So you have to get it. Yeah, they they sell other tips for being able to do different sizes. Do you like it? I don't like bias tape, (laughs) just as a blanket statement. So in the sense that it is the easiest way for me to make something I hate, yes, I like it. Um, But I'm not a bias tape person. Sarila wouldn't use it because she doesn't iron ahead of time, (laughs) which I kind of like this method. This sounds really good and also sounds like more likely to get consistent result with the neckline because Mm. I do have issues. I've gotten it. So I'm pretty good with it. So my necklines end up much more flat. I mean, the first ones I did were just like stand out. The whole thing just stood straight off my neck, but now I've been able to get it so that I, I get a pretty nice finish on there, but it's always kind of a gamble. And it sounds like your way might be much more consistent. I just like a face neck. I'd prefer to do a facing over. I mean, I, I substitute facing all the time. What's the benefit to bias tape over a facing? Yeah, I, I, I like a facing if it's not more than maybe one, one and a half inches wide and you can stitch it down from the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I prefer stitch, it down. stitch down. Yeah. Yeah. If they just flop all over the place, they're, yeah. I'm never going to feel controlled or happy. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I have to do a facing or like in, you know, in the Karamea jumpsuit thing, mm-hmm. I, I brought that facing right out to the armholes. So yeah, I do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An all in one facing is very satisfying to do mm. actually. But I will say I do like bias binding on things that, that have, that are like lightweight, like a, a lightweight tank or something. I like that better than the facing. I find that when I have a facing in something, I often have to iron it. With Because you're surging on the binding, you are going to get a slightly different feel around the neck than if you didn't surge it on. Obviously, it's going to be, I don't know whether you call it slightly stiff or whatever. So some people might not yeah. like that. Whereas if you cut and clip, it probably is, it's a different feel. But I, I'm quite happy with it. Mm. When you surge that around, you are not then clipping into it. Right. No. But it lays just fine. You don't have yes. any problems with that. That's no, because surgery is a stretchy stitch when you think about it. Yeah. Right, so right, right. It works with the curve. Yeah. That's really good. That's interesting. Jenny's looking at me like, why are you, what are you talking about? No, no, no. It's, it's one of those where I've always used my surger when I, when I do bias binding, I've always used my surger for first pass because it, to me, it makes sense. It keeps things neater. It prevents sticking out little tiny threads. It makes sure that it's respecting the stretchiness of the bias and all of that. That's always just made sense to me. I've never, never really understood the idea of doing it on a sewing machine with a straight stitch first pass. It, it feels like that's fighting with what you want the bias to do. And it never occurred to me. 
to use a, <laughs> it never occurred to me. And I think there's probably a lot of people like me that just follow the directions and, you know, they didn't, doesn't occur to them. So this is really good, helpful advice. I think you're the only other person what? I know, Jenny, who does that. <laughs> oh yeah. I, but I love my surgery. I'm, I am bereft that it is <laughs> that it is not threading right now because oh and that's what's so days. funny about this too is that this was your opportunity because the surgery was going to be gone to do this binding and Sheila's telling us a way that you oh. can use your surgery to yeah do the no binding. I know <laughs> um, but my plan is my personal plan is what I want to play with is actually Hong Kong binding and I know I can start by surging it and I won't be able to <sighs> tragically do that but. Um, the Hong Kong binding is the one that interests me the most because I think it's when I see the innards of someone's garment, that's the one that makes me go, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> and it feels couture in a way that nothing else to me does. Um, I, I French seams always feel heirloom to me, which doesn't mean it's not couture. I'm just saying they feel heirloom to me. Um, and the Hong Kong binding feels like I, I went to some fancy place and bought a thing. <laughs> as opposed to anything else. So I'm excited to give that a go. And I'm excited to do it with wild bias tape that I would never consider for most, most things. So. And the thing about Hong Kong binding is actually really easy. It, mm -hmm. it takes time, but it's really easy. And if anybody is, has never done anything like that before, I would recommend they look at Leela's videos on the Shoalhaven Shacket, where she goes into great detail about how to do it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll include a link that. to that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's awesome. What other kinds of bindings do you use? Are there other ways you finish your seams besides the ones we've talked about? I don't think so. It's, it's either I use the serger or the Hong Kong finishes or French seams. I don't think. Yeah. Are, are, yeah. Are, are, I know. Before I had a facings, I suppose, maybe sometimes on a hem. Yeah. Occasionally do a facing on a hem. Yeah. Do you ever bind the outer edge of your facing? I do. Actually, that's another thing I learned from Leela. <laughs> she her videos are just so good is that now if I'm doing a, a waistband for trousers you know the way you can uh you fold it over and you, you sew the whole thing on and you leave a gap and you but what what Lita did in one of her her trousers and I do them in most of them now that have an elastic waistband is you have your your waistband and sew on only one side sorry before forgot to say before you put the waistband on at all you sew one of the short seams on the waistband if it isn't all in one piece you know you might have a, it's going to have a, a seam up either side right mm -hmm. and then I do the equivalent of Hong Kong binding along right along the edge of one uh, one side of the waistband the long side mm -hmm. then the bit that you haven't got the Hong Kong binding on sew that to the top of your trousers as normal but just that side not the bit with the Hong Kong binding on it then uh, uh, fold over the waistband and on the inside now you have the you see the pretty side of the Hong Kong binding and I sew that down in the ditch from the right side but um, I pin it it's much easier to sew in the ditch when you have the edge done like that because mm -hmm. I I pin from the front through the binding at the back, just at the kind of the top of the binding. So if if you if you get the binding a millimeter one way or the other on the inside, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. So then I sew that the whole way around in the ditch on the outside, leaving a gap to thread the elastic. 
Okay. Yeah. I, ben tried the I had never thought of that, but I, I did that when I made my noise jeans and oh. I did not think of it as Hong Kong binding, even though. That's where I learned it. Now you reminded me when I did the noise jeans. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I loved it. It was, it's something I did carry forward. I don't make pants very often because mm. I don't like pants, but, but it is something that I've used now on cashmere calders, for example, when I, when I work on those. So that's awesome. It's, I love that concept. So couture looking, isn't it? It is. And it's a great opportunity for that hidden special fabric. That's something I'm a really big fan of is being able to build in things only I know about, but that make Mm. me smile when I think about them. So would you be able to use that on waistbands of dresses? I don't see why not. Yeah. Waistbands of dresses. Mm. Um. So it sort of depends. I think, for example, have you made an Upton by Cashmere? I haven't. No. My recollection, and it may, I may be remembering the dress wrong, but my recollection for the Upton is that you have an inside and an outside of that waistband, just, just like you would on pants, that you end up sewing down in, at, into the, I guess, in the ditch when you're, when you're completing it, basically. And you'd be able to do that on the inside of one like that. And if it isn't, isn't the Upton, it's possible I'm thinking of something like, I don't think it's the Dora by Rebecca Page, but it, there, there is a dress I've seen where the waistband is two pieces and it's sewn to the skirt on the front and the bodice on the front and then sewn to the bodice on the back and then you push it down you fold it up a quarter inch and you stitch in the ditch and instead of the quarter inch you put the buying binding there and so i i think you could do it for sure on a on a garment that had a waistband like that where the intent was a double layered waistband um no you could also do that in so i in the merchant and mills uh, shirt dress that I like. There's a there's a double yoke on the back, and they don't recommend the burrito method. I tried it one time with the burrito method, and I see why they don't because you roll up the whole damn skirt, and it's kind of difficult to do. And it's a small <laughs> it's a small yoke, so it's really hard to do. But in those kind of things, you could do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're stitching yep. that down. That would be really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that it, would it, be a lovely it, detail. Absolutely, a wonderful just sort of a, a, a neat little colorful addition. So yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. What I like about all these, these things though, is that, you know, they're details that, that make garments really special. And they, you know, I found recently a, a box with my children's old clothes that I had made them. And I didn't know about, finishing seams at that point. I didn't, I didn't know anything about that. And I, I didn't finish them at all. And they're all woven garments because I didn't know how to do knit sewing. And the seams are still intact. I mean, they're, they definitely um, frayed and kind of, you know, matted themselves up a bit, but they're still intact. But I imagine to find something that I had made that had all these beautiful bound seams, how lovely that would be to, you know, years down the road. So for a garment that is going to have staying power, I think these are, these are beautiful additions to them. And especially on a waistband, I think when I post on Instagram, people go, Oh my goodness, look at the waistband. That's actually so easy, especially if Mm -hmm. you just turned it on and fold it over. It takes 10 minutes, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) if you get extra, extra bang for your effort, (laughs) 
Yeah. So now what about like, for example, I was thinking it'd be really nice to do the edges of a fly because I have these jeans and sometimes that's irritating to me, the edges of the fly. And so it would probably be more bias bound than, than the Hong Kong because it gets washed so much and everything. But I think that might be an interesting place to put that as well. Yes. I've never done, I've only made one pair of trousers with the fly and that's the noise jeans. So I'm not, not that experienced with those. I wanted to, to credit the people where I learned things from, like with Cashmere first and, and the Montrose top, and then the uh, Sewing Like Mad and uh, Leela and Muna and Broad. And um, there was another person as well, seasoned homemaker. It's just one technique from her, but I've used it over and over again, how to cut your piece of fabric for bias binding. That appeals to me how she does it. It's simple and easy. And I do that all the time. And actually she shows photographs and I have photographs on my phone. And even though I've done it maybe 30, 40 times, I still go back and look at the photograph because I can't remember which way to fold it. (laughs) That's great. That's a really good help. Is it one of those things where they draw lines and then line it up and stitch and then cut through? No, it's, 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 it's really simple. You just, you just fold the bottom right hand corner up to the top edge this creates your bow, your your bias fold line, and then you fold the top right corner down to meet the bottom fold. So then, all everywhere it's folded is where you're going to be cutting, and then you just uh, turn it kind of forty five degrees to line it up on your cutting mat with a grid, and you cut off the first little bit to get a straight edge, and then you just cut. It's very very simple. I've tried that circular one. You know yes. where you do it. I hate it. Okay. Absolutely hate it. The continuous wise. For start, you can't control where the joins are. So you could yes. have two joins an inch uh-huh. apart. Yeah. Which I, also, I just couldn't do it accurately. Now, it was a long time ago I tried it, in, but uh, no, it wasn't for me at all. And, and I don't sew the bias binding until I need to, because um, nine times out of 10, I don't need to join anything. I have a strip long enough. Yeah. You know, so, mm-hmm. And I just sew it on the machine. If I'm sewing it, I, them together on the machine, I just put them at right angles to each other, put them up to the machine and then move it 45 degrees. And so, so. And we'll include all of the, uh, the links for the, the ones that you've named that you'd like to give credit to for how they've inspired or trained you or taught you. Um, yeah. <laughs> see, see you, you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.